welcome back. It's time for Customers Who Click. First things first, I'd love to get some more reviews of the podcast. So if you've enjoyed previous episodes or if you've enjoyed today's, please do leave a review. It really helps. I've got another cool D2C brand on today as Joe Anhalt, VP of Marketing at Koyo, joins me to talk about how they've diversified their marketing channels away from Facebook and paid social, how email and SMS fits into their marketing mix for both acquisition and retention, and how they stand out and really show the value of their products. Let's get Joe on now. Hi, Joe. Thanks for joining me today. Do you want to quickly introduce yourself? Uh, tell us a bit about your background and how you've got to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks so much for having me. Excited to uh, have this conversation. So I fell into uh, a tech startup when I, after I graduated college, I just started as a copywriter and that quickly morphed into email marketing, content marketing, organic social, paid social, just had to wear a lot of different hats at that initial startup that that I was working for and did that for a, a few years and just really drank the startup Kool-Aid. I just really enjoyed uh, the team and having a lot of autonomy and yeah, wearing a lot of those different hats. And at the time, that first startup that I was working with didn't really align with, with my interests. It was uh, it was actually a, a parking app. And uh, it was really fun because I got to learn a lot, meet some really cool and interesting people, but just wanted to work on something that was, again, just a bit more aligned with my lifestyle, my personality, things like that. I switched over to a direct consumer retail business in the furniture industry called Interior Define and got to use a lot of the skills uh, and learnings at Spot Hero at Interior Define and really enjoyed. Was there for about three years, grew the business quite a bit, got to build out a little bit of the marketing team. And after that, was looking for another change, but less on the kind of business side and more on the, the personal geographical side. So I had spent a lot of time in Chicago, which is where I went to school and worked at Spot Hero Interior Define and uh, wanted to move to the big city, New York. And so I, I did just that and was fortunate enough to find uh, Koyo, which is where I'm at right now. So Koyo is a luxury footwear brand, judge consumer. We do have two retail stores, one here in New York, one in LA. And yeah, I've been running the marketing and digital product teams here for uh, the past almost four years now, which it seems like an eternity uh, in startup years and also just navigating through the pandemic, which was a big challenge. But uh, yeah, I've been here now for, for almost four years doing everything under the sun on the marketing side of things, digital product as well, basically our, our e-com channel. Was doing a lot of the creative stuff as well, but now I've really sucked my teeth into growth, performance, a digital product, things like that. Yeah, I, I've been very much involved in direct consumer early stage businesses for, for my entire career. Amazing. Sounds great. Yeah. I've done the startups as well. The amount you learn is just so intense, isn't yeah. it? When you're you know, basically having to do a little bit of everything and with very little resource and just get on with it. You you learn to be a bit scrappy yeah. as well, which you might, when you get to, to bigger and more established brands, you might not want to be scrappy, but it gives you that mentality of we can just get things done pretty easily, but yeah. you know, we can get on with things. We don't need to be planning things for, for months and and we, we don't need some really expensive piece of technology to do something. We can put it together with these three different bits of tech that we can get right now, um, Yeah, which I, I think absolutely. is really fun. So what's, what do you think has been either the number one or, or a couple of the biggest contributors to growth for Koyo over maybe the last year? Yeah. So obviously just wrapping up 2021 and going into 2022. And 2021 was a huge learning year for us. We were, and we still are coming out of the pandemic. As you can imagine, 2020 was was slow for us. So luxury footwear, that doesn't scream pandemic peak. We didn't have the fortune to be a, you know, a sweatpants and sweatshirt brand or home goods or uh, anything within the kitchen. So 
not many people were looking to buy an expensive pair of shoes during the pandemic. We just wanted to to stay at home, veg out, and and watch Netflix. And so we were able to do a lot of experimentation and testing during that time to really do anything we could to drive demand and, and drive growth. So we got really creative with different promotions, different sales, something we had never done before the pandemic. And so we got to test that in 2020 and uh, really refine that in 2021. So I think one of the biggest learnings uh, for us in, in the past year was just what that that perfect mix was for preparing for a campaign, executing the campaign. Again, like I said, in, in 2020, it was a lot of experimentation. 2021 was honing those preparation skills. Simple example of that is obviously within consumer, retail, e-commerce, promotions and sales are a big just a big item of kind of your calendar. And we were able to really understand that the more prep work we did and understanding and priming our audiences, priming our customers for what's to come, we saw a just a better performance overall. Telling people through email, through SMS, which were huge channels for us last year, hey, a sale is coming. Start getting this in the back of your mind. Start adding things to your cart and then come day one of the sale, boom, people are ready to go. There's no looking around, there's no understanding what the sale is, what products are going to be discounted, things like that. And and that was the name of the game, not just for sales, but for any campaign. It was priming our audience, telling them what's coming. So people weren't surprised. They had all the information that was out there to them to make an informed decision if they wanted this or if they didn't. And again, not just for sales, but for product launches as well. I like that because obviously sometimes if you did a flash sale for one day, if someone doesn't read the email, it's it, they've missed it. But if exactly. you if tell them about it just a couple of days in advance, mm-hmm. it probably quite significantly increases the chance that someone will notice the email. Yeah. And uh, all, you, all you've got to do is put it in the subject line, really. Flash sale coming yeah. on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. So they don't even necessarily have to read the email if they don't, if they don't really want to. But it's just a reminder to, uh, to come check it out. And yeah, I, I like that approach of add stuff, to, come to the website, add stuff to your basket, and mm-hmm. then check out on Saturday when there's a sale. I think exactly. a lot of brands shy away from that sort of thing. They want to just do the sale. They've, they've run that promotion. They've, they've got a few sales from the people who, who notice it and click through. But yeah, you're probably missing out on a lot of people who would have used the sale had they known about it in advance. Exactly. And we just don't have the luxury of just dropping a surprise sale. We're still pretty small and, and pretty scrappy. So we can, if, if Apple did a surprise sale, like people would jump on it. They they have that awareness. They have that brand equity to do that. We're just not in that position yet. We would love to be at that position, but we just understand that uh, we don't have the size and scale to be coy about a promotion or be coy about a, a new product coming. We really need to over-communicate so it doesn't get lost in translation and uh, people don't miss what we're doing. It's just... We're just not in that position right now. So yeah, that was a big learning for us last year is just the fundamentals of prepping our customers and prepping our audience for them to to know what's coming so they can make an informed decision. And then also once something does come out, whether it's a product or a sale, just reinforcing their behavior and trying to, yeah, just make them feel more confident in their purchasing decision. I think that's one area where a lot of marketers always forget to revisit is how do we reinforce that they're making the right decision, right? It's less about how do we give the the customer more choices, but how do we reinforce that this choice is the right choice? Again, just going back to fundamentals, understanding what worked through data and experimentation and just refining that process from start to finish. Yeah. This is something I talk about loads. It's... are you persuading the customer that this is the right product for them? And are you persuading them that this is the right business to buy that product from? 
And yeah. if you're answering those two questions, if you're doing a good job of that, you should get the sale, right? Because you, yeah. the, the customer has no concerns. You've, you've convinced them that the product is not too expensive or the material is right for them or, or whatever, or the brand or whatever. Um, but if you're answering, if you're focusing on those two questions and thinking, you know, constantly thinking, well, if you're optimizing a product page or something, we've had this feedback or just whatever, is this contributing to convincing someone that this is the right? Yeah. yeah, I think that's really important. And with obviously these days, barrier to entry in a lot of industries is is quite low now. It's pretty easy to go and source some product, set up a website and get going. So how do you really, when you're selling more high-end and luxury trainers, how do you really show the value and the quality of those products and convince people that it's worth spending quite a bit more yeah. money than some other brands that you can just pick up on the high street. Yeah, it's a really challenging problem to solve. And, and it's something we're still dealing with. After five, six years of the brand, we're still trying to convince people that the price matches the product. And you know, there, there's a few kind of obvious things we do. We have a beautiful creative with like videos and images to reinforce the price. One of our original assets was a kind of founding story. So Chris and Johannes, the founders of Koyo, actually went to Italy, which is where we manufacture all of our products. They're at the factory floor meeting the people working there. Beautiful shots of the foothills like around the factory. And it's boom right there. Like those images can speak to the quality. Where it gets really challenging is on PLP pages, on PDP pages, where you literally just have a two-dimensional screen and some images of the product that look very much like a product that is maybe half the cost. How do we turn up the, the knob within every step of the user journey to communicate that this is a luxury product? And one of the things that we're doubling down on this year is through that user experience, right? Our lead digital product designer has this great analogy that he's been talking about the past few weeks of there are hundreds, if not thousands of car manufacturers out there, and they all have to manufacture essentially the same components. And, and he loves to talk about like the car door opening and closing. So like on a simple like Toyota Corolla, it's fine. It, it can get the job done, but a more luxury high-end vehicle, like an Audi or uh, a, a Tesla, right? There are these like certain, like the sound of the door closing. There's like an emblem of a light that shines on the ground. It, it just like Tesla with the door handles. So these yeah. are essentially like UX, UI components that elevate that experience. So how do we use that kind of same <clears throat> mentality and elevate every touch point of user journey, but just through a digital product. And again, that's just really hard. We love it when people come into our store because you can actually you know, feel it and put it on your foot and understand, oh, this is a high quality product. But it really is like, how do we reinforce uh, a luxury experience across every intimate detail uh, of the journey with like homepage navigation? What are like the animations of when you uh, click a button and it scrolls down. Does it just like pop or does it crosses all into something else? On the PDP page itself, like what do those images look like? Is there like a 3D component where someone can look and feel around the product and really get into the, the details and see the grain of the, le the leather, things like that? And then checkout too. Uh, I'm a big, been a big driver of like, how do we make the checkout as seamless as possible? How do we create almost a native app feel? but on a desktop or a mobile kind of Chrome checkout. And, uh, and it's really hard because you like, e again, every step of the way has to be this amazing experience, this luxurious experience. And I think that's just what it comes down to. It, it just comes down to fundamentally having those high expectations for yourself and your team and just deliver a best in class luxury experience uh, across the entire customer journey. I know that's like a very broad and, and general answer, but 
I think that's the the correct answer. Uh, it just takes a lot of time and effort to get there. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's going that extra step and, and thinking, you know, at every single touch point, how do we make this feel like luxury? How do yeah. we make sure people are seeing that this is like high quality? And you're right, obviously you can't touch it, feel it, uh, you know, hold it or, or try it in. So how do you really convince people? And I'm I'm just picturing, as you were talking, like what a luxury shoe pictures would look like. And I think it would tend to be more close up so you can really see the quality of the material. And mm-hmm. probably a lot to do with just the background as well, not just having a white yep. background, which a lot of stores do. Yeah. And, and oftentimes within our creative shoots, when we have a, a male or female model, they're often wearing luxury brands. We're, we're dressing them in, in Jacquemus or, or Gucci or Louis Vuitton, things like that. So we can be luxurious just by our association, right? Yep. We just had this fantastic PR hit in a luxury magazine and it was, yeah, all the luxury brands and then us right after that. So that, that certainly helps. And that's also, I would say just baseline, like marketing reinforcement to show your press hits and things like that. So those things all apply as well. But yeah, again, it's it's just really challenging to, to make sure that your, your experience across the board is up to a standard that the price. Yeah. And yes, you mentioned yeah, like quality by association, right? So if you're, mm-hmm. if you're pictured alongside or if a model is wearing other high quality luxury brands, or if you feature in the same article or, uh, and stuff like that, obviously it kind of pulls, helps pull you up to their level a bit. And you know, people yeah. think if you're being mentioned alongside Gucci, you must be in that same sort of category. So does that apply to your marketing as well? Do you pick certain channels where you can really highlight that, that quality and that value? Um, yeah. as opposed to just Facebook PPC and just yeah. spitting out ads like everyone else? Yeah, um, that, that's a great question. And we do try to align our marketing channels and efforts to the high standards that we have for our brand. A good example of this is we just started experimenting with some out-of-home campaigns here in New York. What's been really popular with startup brands, fashion, luxury are not the, the typical big billboards, uh, but these kind of wild postings uh, where people literally... At night, go and post up these big adverts on like construction sites and things like that. So it's a bit more, I guess, hacky, like hustly. Gorilla. All the other, yeah, gorilla, exactly. But a lot of the other, again, like luxury brands, more heritage brands are doing these things. So we're taking taking cues from their playbook, essentially. More the, I guess, like digital focus channels. Like when we do, sometimes we'll do giveaways with other brands. Those other brands, again, just need to be aligned with our client, with our customers. We are doing traditional, obviously, with paid social, Facebook, Instagram, a search as well. And uh, yeah, every time I'm thinking of experimenting with a new channel or if someone presents just a new opportunity, obviously, I'm thinking, does this align with the brand of Koyo, right? We're a, a crazy, I always joke that we're going to do like, airplane advertisement with like a sign dragged behind an airplane, right? That's a, a crazy wild example. Like we're never going to do that. We're never going to yeah. be like the mattress or used car with the blow up inflatable guy out front of our stores. We're, we're never going to yeah. do that. And so, yeah, that, that does come into play. Yeah. And I suppose with things like affiliate marketing, do you do affiliate marketing? We do. So it's, so it's you're probably huge... like super careful about who you work with. Exactly. Um, and, and even, I imagine you probably not take control of, but you want a lot of say in how they present your brand, how they position yeah. you. You want to make sure that they're they're using the same standards that you use. And yeah. If they're not willing to do that, it probably means they're not the right affiliate for you. Because they don't they're not bought into the kind of brand. They don't they don't understand 
yeah uh, how you want to place that like luxury feel on it so yeah and what about influencers i'm guessing you use influencers quite a bit there's, there's probably a huge yeah. opportunity there for you yeah that's a channel that we're really again i guess in addition to what we learned last year we want to use those same fundamentals to really build our influencer and, and creator channel and we've done a ton of experimentation and testing different tools to support us different outreach efforts through our own team internally through our pr agency and uh, this is just a channel that we just need to continue making it a, a bigger part of our marketing mix especially with the increasing challenges that we're seeing with facebook and instagram it's it's been competitive it's getting more competitive there's not as much data that we're getting so we can't be as targeted with our ads i'm sure you've talked about this a lot uh, on this pod and with within your own circles and we don't think that's going to change and so we're trying to we're trying to get ahead of it as much as we can by collecting as much data on site as we can through email through sms uh, and then just diversify our channels as well so it's not just like a one hit wonder with facebook and instagram and i think the natural next channel for us to have a significant impact would be influencer and creator so then okay how do we scale that how do we build these relationships so that they want to continue working with us setting up some type of affiliate structure with them through links and stuff in their profiles um and another reason why i'm very excited just to spend more time and effort on it is oftentimes we'll be able to use the content that they produce within our own channels and producing content is very expensive and producing the content to our level is just even more expensive so anytime we can get a really nice asset or, or five from a creator or an influencer that we can use at our channels that's a huge value add for us so i look at it not only as an awareness channel uh, but also as a content generation channel which again is just extremely valuable for us because uh, again just producing content is really expensive but uh, yeah it's really hard uh, to scale that and to find good partners negotiating with them the back and forth getting product in their hands getting assets delivered things like that but it's 100% a necessary channel for us especially just with with our environment being a fashion brand new york city we, we just have to be active and uh, have a presence on on those channels yeah absolutely you've got to you, you've got to be working at it you've got to be trying things out have you looked into channels like tiktok are you at that stage where you're willing to give like almost any new channel a try or are you at that stage where you're still thinking we've still got to really focus on our core channels and we'll mm-hmm. hold on to this stuff for a bit later. No, definitely looking at new channels just to, again, diversify our mix because it is pretty small at, at the minute. And TikTok is a very visual channel. Obviously, like we're trying to do some stuff organically. We really haven't dipped our toe into the paid water. But I myself have also been trying to understand that channel a bit more. It's yeah, it's I can see the draw to it, obviously. And like Snapchat, like Twitter, LinkedIn, stuff like that. We have a, a great mentality here at, at Koyo of, of just like testing and seeing if it works, if it doesn't work. And and so we're always going to experiment and uh, find new, especially top of funnel channels that can, yeah, that we can just reach a new audience and again, just diversify our mix. So very much advocates for experimentation and testing here. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And how do you fit email and SMS into your mix, whether it's for acquisition or retention? Do you do anything with direct mail? We experimented with direct mail years ago. It did not go well for us. I... It, it's not a huge priority for for us. That was just a huge time suck for us, and uh, not quite sure if the awareness is there quite yet. But email and SMS—that's something we did really well in 2021. That we want to double down on. So both on the acquisition and the retention side of things, we we partnered with a firm uh, called Wonderkin. They used to be called BounceX. 
I mean, they really took us from like zero to 80 very quickly in terms of the email acquisition, SMS acquisition. And I'm excited to, again, just double down on those. Email and SMS are a huge point of communication for us, to our clients, our consumers, setting up those automated flows and just tweaking those, optimizing anything and everything from subject line to the, the segment we're actually targeting, the content, obviously. We really saw the power of automation on both email and SMS. So that's something we want to absolutely double down on this year. It's going to be a big part of what we do. Yeah. Have you got maybe a couple of examples of uh, like tactics that you've used within those channels to that have really worked for you? It, yeah, it really is those simple automated flows like the the welcome flow the abandoned cart the the browse abandoned ab testing different different promotions within those so can we get you on free shipping or do we have to extend like a first order discount we found that and unsurprising that first order discount moved the needle significantly and uh, it, it really is just cr- getting creative with those automated flows so the more data you have, the better, obviously. If person is X percent more likely to buy this product versus that, if they do A, B, and C on your website, set up that flow and just have it firing at all times. That's where you're going to see like the big growth, right? It, it's not going to be like a one-off email campaign. Those perform significantly yeah. worse in terms of revenue. It's still like an important, again, like communicating new products and things like that. But it really is the, those automated flows. I can't stress that enough. Get those set up as soon as possible. But before that, uh, really fine tune that acquisition, that email acquisition, that SMS acquisition. Again, AB experiment with the offer you're giving. Do you show it right on site load or do they wait 10 or 15 seconds? These are things you should all always be testing and figuring out what yields the, the best results for acquisition. And then again, when you do have them, those automated flows, get those set up ASAP and experiment with with new ones and refine the current ones. That's where you're really going to see uh, big revenue gains. Yeah. And I think it's important to keep testing, but also some of it doesn't take very long. For no. example, the, the pop-up you mentioned. So yeah. do you have it display after five, immediately after five seconds, 10 seconds on exit? These things take a handful of minutes at most yeah. to set up. So you can run run one for a while, set up a new one with the, with the new trigger. Literally takes a, a couple of minutes to do, uh, and review it after a couple of weeks, maybe a month. See what's worked best, and then uh, and work out what to do from there. But I think a, a lot of brands set up that pop up and then just leave it. Yeah, and yeah. you know, possibly probably aren't even aware of what the conversion rate on their pop up is, but they know that emails no. are emails are coming in, emails are going into the flows, and the flows are generating some revenue. But yeah, you've got to you've got to keep testing, and and with the flows as well. Sometimes again, it's just timing. If you're really strapped for time and resource, then just go in and, and change the delay on an email. You know, ab- abandon cart email, set up for yep. 30 minutes, and then test it at, at an hour. These yep. things literally take you take you seconds yep. to set up and test. And if you do start to move the needle, then you can say, well, actually, maybe we should be spending more time on this. You know, I, I yep. get there is that temptation to set up automation flows. They start generating you money, and so you think, "Cool, those are generating us money on autopilot. Yeah, let's just let's yeah. just leave them alone and move on." It's always my, my experience, and a lot of people that I've spoken to, it's always the acquisition channels that get the almost twenty four seven treatment towards mm-hmm. like optimization and and the energy that goes into them. And yeah, the, the retention channels once they're set up, we're done and we're good. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. And uh, you really have to almost like weekly go back to, I just have a simple priority list uh, in, a, in a Google Doc that's just 
to remind myself to check in on these bits within the funnel. And uh, yeah, it, it doesn't take a lot of time and effort. It just takes uh, repeated kind of testing, experimentation and updates to kind of set it and forget it. Like when you're building a website, it's never going to be done. When you're yeah. optimizing a, a marketing flow, it's never going to be done. It's just always living and breathing. And yeah, you got to maintain it, keep watering it. Yeah. And I think one thing to remember is that you can keep optimizing and you'll, you'll keep making gains. Yep. But eventually the kind of the, the consumer behavior in the market is going to change. And so there really is, it really is never done because if yep. you spend two years optimizing, running tests all the time, constantly changing things at the end of two years, what worked two years ago might be dead. It might not yep. work anymore. Or you know, yep. technology might have changed, which has made something else redundant because there's something new and better um, that you should have. So yeah, there's always room to be improving and keep optimizing. But what are you most excited about for the kind of next 12 months? I'm excited to be able to, and I uh, may, maybe we'll start sounding like a broken record, but I'm really excited that we're coming out of the pandemic and people are, the demand is back for us. And I'm excited yep. to use what we've learned the past couple of years and, and implement that and get better with the foundations. We we did a lot of also just extracurricular experimentation with different initiatives as a business that we scrapped and cut the fat, trimmed the fat. And we've been doing that for yeah a year and a half, almost two years now. So I'm excited as, as a team and, and as a brand to refine everything that we we have running that is working and, and get better at, at those things all while experimenting with the, the acquisition channels and, and trying to widen the uh, widen the funnel a bit at the top. But I, I feel like we just have a great team. We are doing the fundamentals really well. And I want to continue that and really just work on the essential components of our business that is driving growth. And so I'm, I'm just excited that we have that focus and we have a plan in place. And now it just comes down to, to execution and very confident in that because we've been executing at a high level with a million things going on. And now we've, again, trimmed a lot of those. So we're able to just run. And again, I know this is like very broad and, and generic, but again, like the the pandemic kind of threw us for a whirl. We made it through that, did a lot of testing, learning, and, and now we're able to take those learnings uh, and really just knock it out of the park in, in 2022. Yeah, just excited to, to run a bit faster this year. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's exciting when you reach that point where you're thinking, okay, we know what we're doing now. We've got our yeah. like, channel mix sorted. We're pretty comfortable things are working. Now we've just got to do mm-hmm. more of it, do better at it and, yeah. um, and scale the company. And that's where things get, yeah, get exciting and, and mm-hmm. sometimes a bit higher. scary, but yeah, I was hopefully more. Higher, higher stakes. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it's, it's all very exciting for sure. Awesome. So yeah, just before we, we finish up then, is there anyone in the, the DTC marketing space that you'd want to sit down for lunch with? Yeah. So I'm a big fan of Scott Galloway. Are you familiar with him? I'm not sure I am actually. He has uh, he has a couple of podcasts. First, he, he teaches marketing at NYU Stern, the business school okay. there. And I found him probably at the beginning of the pandemic. He has a, a podcast called Professor G. Prof G. I mean, it's all about business tech and, and marketing. And he talks a lot about like big e-commerce firms and retail. His background is in branding and positioning and marketing. He had a few firms that uh, he started and, and IPO'd or sold and is just talking about really relevant things to, to me. Also like the, the New York kind of connection. And he actually started a uh, online education platform uh, called Section 4, where he teaches like 
brand strategy sprints uh, and and marketing, like scaling marketing sprints, one of which I have already taken and another I'm actually very excited to, to take coming up at the end of this month. It's taught by the former CMO of Allbirds. So again, just oh. in my wheelhouse, he, I guess he's not like a hundred percent like D2C, but he definitely knows that world and knows how to grow a business and scale a business. And yeah, he's also just like, seems like very down to earth and like pretty funny. And I, I just know it'd be like a, a really fun conversation to have with him. But uh, yeah. I, I'd highly recommend it for you and for marketers. I've, I've learned a ton, not just professionally, but but personally, it's also just like a fun podcast and he's a fun dude to follow. Yeah, awesome. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. And so just finally, have you got a couple of marketing tools that you'd recommend to people? I was thinking about this, if there was like one that people maybe haven't heard about, because it's just all like the basic stuff, right? Google Analytics, Shopify, all the dashboards that we build out internally here. And I don't think I have a favorite, but I'm just always Google Analytics and Shopify just always pulled up on my computer, on my phone, probably too much. Um, yeah. Just like laying in bed before I fall asleep, checking sales and orders and conversion rates and things like that. But I will say if you don't have those on your phone, like the mobile apps are like pretty nice, like Shopify and Google Analytics. So maybe, yeah, those two mobile apps, I'd highly recommend if you guys don't, or if your listeners don't have that downloaded yet, go for it. Yeah. I think there's uh, always the danger though, that you... <laughs> You do exactly what you said, right? You're late at night, just going, oh, well, I'll, I'll just check in, see how, the, see how the day went. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know I would be. I'd, I'd just be curious, right? How's the last hour gone? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's super fun, especially like Black Friday, Cyber Monday, th- those times, like you really do see like hour by hour. Um, but uh, yeah, they're great. Yeah, awesome. Cool. If uh, anyone wants to reach out, uh, have a chat with you or find out more, what's the best way of getting in touch? Either uh, a LinkedIn search or I still have a Twitter. It's Joe from normal at Joe from normal. Yeah. I like the fact you put, I still have a Twitter. Yeah. (laughs) You use it a lot or you just still have the account and you're just aware of it. I never like post, but I just scroll through there and see, see what people are talking about. It is. It's funny. That's like the, if like Shopify is ever down or our site's ever down, that's the first place I go to see everyone else is having problems. Um, but yeah, that's probably the, the easiest way to, to reach out to me on Twitter. Awesome. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Thanks so much, Joe. It's been really great. Thank you. Pleasure. Cheers. Bye. I love Joe's approach to announcing sales. You know, One thing that always bugs me is when I see an email announcing a sale or an offer, but it's expired before I've even opened the email. So try that out for yourselves. Get an email out to your customers a day or two before your sale. Let them know they can add products to their carts, get themselves prepared and see what impact that has for you. The other really important part of this episode was when Joe was talking about car manufacturing uh, and how a door handle is generally just a door handle, but Tesla innovated on it and now has a really recognizable style of door handle that helps add to the quality and the appeal of the brand. How can you do the same? What imagery can you add or what features and functions on your website can be added to enhance the customer experience, give them that feeling of quality? Can you add a close-up to show the quality of the material or is it simply a case of changing some wording on the site? maybe from contact customer support to speak to an advisor. If you'd like to hear more from Joe, reach out to him on LinkedIn or Twitter. Any other podcast questions, feedback or guest requests, please send them over to will at customerswhoclick.com. Next up, I've got Dan Shun joining me from AirUp, a really interesting D2C brand in the uh, kind of flavoured water space. We're going to be talking about how they go about testing within lifecycle marketing. But until then, keep those customers clicking. (laughs) 